and I worship you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your glory, for the great love wherewith you have loved us. Oh, my heavenly Father, hallowed be thine holy name. Righteous art thou, King of kings. Oh, your name, Jesus, is above every name, and I praise you for that name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Good to be in service with each and every one of you tonight. If you have a Bible, I'd like to turn to Matthew's account of the gospel. There are four accounts of the one gospel. And as the Apostle Paul said, there is uh, some people were foolish because they got moved away from the hope that's contained within the gospel unto another, which he said is not another. There is no other gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection. That's the gospel. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. And we want to believe that gospel because it's in the Word of God. We can put our finger on chapter and verse. In the 14th chapter of Matthew's account, have a an incident here where the Bible teaches that beginning with verse 25 and in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went unto them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear 
But straightway or immediately Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, that is, when Peter saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Everybody said, Praise the Lord. I'd like to work for a little bit tonight on serving the Lord without distraction. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. We're certainly living in a world that is filled with distractions. Uh, no wonder Jesus answered, as Pastor Hopper brought out, the rich young ruler that had come to him, and let's just say he said it bigger than, than he meant it. He didn't realize what all was involved. You know, a lot of people do that with situations. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be like this, you know, when they made their proclamation. And this fella obviously said, I, I want to know what to do to inherit eternal life. And that was no small thing that we're talking about here. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to live life here and to see good days and, and have good health and strength and many wonderful things that can accompany those that type of lifestyle. But uh, you've got to understand that there will come an end to that road and that we will go the way of all the earth, some sooner than others, some more unexpectedly than others. But we all certainly know, just as we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, live in a bubble, not going to change anything, you still, Jesus said, must be born again off water and of the Spirit, or you cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. So there are things that are, uh, above our pay grade, you might say. And this fellow stepped up and wanted to know about eternal life, and he was, he was way above his tiptoes. He was on tiptoes and reaching up and still wasn't quite getting to where this was at. And, and Jesus made that crystal clear when he went over some of the basic commandments. And, well, he answered back and said, all them I've done for my youth up. Well, great. We're glad for that. We're happy for that. Any good thing that you know about Jesus Christ from the Word of God. We're happy about that. And uh, if you want to uh, quote certain scriptures to us, we believe all of them. Genesis to Revelation, 1,189 chapters, close to 800,000 words in the King James Version of the Bible. We believe all of them. There's not one you're going to point to that we're going to take a penknife and cut it out and throw it away. We're not going to go in denial about it. We're not going to duck and hide from it. We believe all the scriptures from A to Z, so to speak. So we're not running or hiding from anything. And if you want to quote me a scripture, I'm going to tell you I love that scripture. That's a great scripture, and that's the way I'm going to feel about it, even if it steps on my toes. And there are scriptures that are going to step on our toes. There are scriptures that are going to go against your flesh. They're going to go against the grain. But, you know, your Bible teaches very plainly that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
And Jesus said, now I'm talking to you about heavenly things now. And he said, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we've got to get away from that natural way of thinking. When you reach up and, and pose a question to Jesus, what must I do? Well, there's a key word, what must I do? It's something that you and I are going to have to do here. We're going to have to put forth a little effort. Jesus is looking for some faith here. Uh, he took a woman in the middle of a crowd, and can you imagine all the men that got jealous and envious about it? But he pointed her out and said, I have found no such great faith in all of Israel as I'm seeing coming from this woman right now. He insulted that woman, and yet that woman stood rock still and solid and said, I don't care if you insult me. I don't care if you call me a dog. She said, I want one of the crumbs that's coming from your table because I need a miracle right now. My situation is desperate. I see my situation. I know I need your help, and you can slap me any way you want, but I'm going to be standing right here and tell you that I need your help. I need the miracle that only you can give. There are things that only our God can do. And saving us is one of those things. As was stated tonight, we don't have the power or the uh, finances if they could redeem our soul, and they cannot. But if we had anything in abundance, it would never begin to even approach to what the value of your soul is in the eyes of God. And the Lord wants your soul to come to that correct resting place. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You can uh, get over your head in many, many distractions of this life. We, we're born in sin. We're shapen or misshapen in iniquity or by lawlessness. And uh, we, we're, we're going all kinds of different ways and Half the time, we don't know where we're going. We're just kind of trying to feel our way along and, and see if we can't, you know, come up with something that's working here. There are young people that get to feeling like misfits because they can't find a place to sit in. Life can be very much like musical chairs. And when a certain little pause comes and you're standing there and you feel like you're sticking out like a sore thumb because you're not finding that place to fit in and sit down at and feel like you're a part. And many, many people go through this uh, certain times of their lives and it doesn't stop. I hate to tell you, I told somebody the other day, I said, uh, about preaching, I said, you can lose your words. And I said, I wish I could tell you it gets better as you get older in this preaching. I said, but I, it doesn't. You're still going to lose your words. And you're still, no matter if you're 13 or 20 or 40, you're going to lose your feeling of place. You're going to uh, find yourself groping in the dark from time to time. You're going to wonder where you're at and where life's going. But I'm going to tell you that whatever prison house you feel like you're in, at any moment there's a light that wants to shine right into that prison house. He wants to preach to you. Those that are feeling imprisoned, he wants to preach to you. You do not have to find yourself all mixed up and going in wrong directions and distracted by everything that comes along going in wrong directions you know when uh, the flesh died on the cross and that's what died make no mistake uh, the Bible teaches that God who is a spirit was manifest or clearly shown in the flesh 1 Timothy 3.16 and John 1 and 1 and so the word was made flesh the book said the Word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so you want to understand that uh, when that time came and that flesh died on the cross, he, he did that.
for every human being everywhere. But he set up certain things and put them in order. And he is not a disorderly God. He's a very orderly God. And you want to get it in your mind that he is the eternal spirit who is invisible and said, I'm going to come down to man's level here. I'm going to come in the flesh. And that flesh is going to come because I'm going to speak the word. Just like I said, let there be light, and there was light, I'm going to speak the word, and there's going to be conception for Mary. She's going to bring forth that flesh, that babe, and in that flesh is going to dwell the fullness of my spirit. Colossians 2 and 9. So in, you've got to get the revelation here. There's not three and there's not 22. There's one God who chose to come to earth. He chose to show himself visibly. And he let that flesh that he said would be after the nature of Abraham. It would be a human being. It could be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. He would be tempted in all points like as we are. He would go through moments when he would feel buffeted by spirits and have to get strength from the spirit of the living God for that flesh. The flesh has a weakness to it. But in that flesh, the difference is you can have the gift of his spirit where he was that spirit to the fullness. If you had a full glass, you and I get a half a glass. But I encourage you to drink up. Drink up until you're full. Everybody said praise the Lord. There are many things that are going to try to distract you. Many things that are going to try to pull you off course. And it is a course. Paul did use that terminology in the Bible. And we, it's a race. It's a course. And we don't want to find ourselves uh, continuing in wrong direction. We, we want to get, we want to hear the wake-up call. We want to uh, make sure that we realize that there is a, a God in heaven and earth that absolutely cares about us and that uh, he does have a church. He did birth a church in the world, in the earth. And he gave birth to that church recorded in your Bible in Acts chapter 2. And when he birthed that church, he had already been training them, got them all prepped and all ready, and got them full of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2, and they begin to go throughout their city and fill the city with the message of repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. They brought that message to everybody everywhere. No matter how they were threatened, no matter how they were beaten, no matter how they were thrown into inner dungeons, it made no difference. No matter how many family members turned and went the other way from them, no matter how many co-workers wouldn't talk to them anymore, you're going to understand something. Jesus brought something extremely different. Jesus, they looked at him and said, we never heard anybody speak like he speaks. We've never seen it on this fashion. I want to encourage you to look at the Lord and get yourself an eyeful of what he's like. Look into that book and see what he was like. See what he said. Take a good look. Look unto him. Get your eyes fastened on him. He's not going to be like your fairy tales that you've been given. He's not going to be the apostle, the man that became the apostle Paul. He talked about how that when he was in the Jews' religion, he had religion. Religion is just man's empty, worthless attempt to get to God on their own terms. Make up your own rules. And that's not going to work. It never has worked and it never will work. That's man trying to seize control. 
God is in control of his church. God is in control of this whole thing. And he has a plan, he has a message, he has a method, he has a way of doing things. And he exacts that. He wants that. It's not sloppy. It's not any old way. It's not what you start getting a pipe dream about and getting off course and veering off and jangling and going in wrong directions like some that begin to preach false doctrine. That's what the Apostle Paul said here. He said, listen, I was doing it wrong. I was involved with religion and I was filled with that religion. He said, but there came a glory day when I saw a light from heaven that shone in my pathway above the midday sun and he said I couldn't see anything else for the glory of that light who art thou Lord I'm Jesus and you're fighting me what will you have me to do well I'm going to tell you where to go and I'm going to tell you what to do what you must do there was no negotiating you know there was no uh, bartering Go back and forth here. But, uh, let me tell you what you must do. And when Saul at that time, to become the Apostle Paul, scraped himself up off of that hot burning desert sand and uh, feeling around, groping around, somebody, somebody lead me here. I, I can't see. I'm not seeing anything natural. But I've heard a voice, and it spoke to me in a very specific manner. I need to go to this certain town. I need to go to this certain house on this certain street. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to go there and, and, and I need to engage in some prayer here. And I don't need to do some prayer that somebody dreamed up and wrote on a card for me to repeat and sign here and date it. But that's not what I need to do. I need to go pour my heart out. I don't need fancy words. I don't need uh, 26 letter words here. I, just, I need to tell God just exactly how I'm feeling. And right now, I'm feeling pretty low, Lord. I've lost my way. And I'm, I'm distracted here. And I'm turning right, and I'm turning left, and I'm turning in circles. And it's, it's feeling very dark right now. And everything I believed, I'm finding out it's not right. You know, when I, when I first got witness to, I, I, I had a background for some years, and I hadn't been going to any kind of church house. I, I admit that to you. I was not. I was just very distracted in life as a young man. And I thought everything I was doing was great and cool and all of that, but it wasn't. And uh, I remember that um, when I got witness to, I started saying, I started thinking. And I said, how come they never told me that? And he said, well, just read it right there. And I, I'd read it. I'd say, I read it. I said, and they didn't tell me that. How come they didn't tell me that? Why'd they lie to me? Started to get a little upset there. Started to realize that I was being led out in different directions. And then there's always the, you know, grab one scripture out of context and get that to be your hobby horse or your little, you know, I read a, I read a bank president. He asked me, and I read to him. I quoted to him, Acts 2.38, and he turned around and opened his credenza behind his desk in the bank, pulled out his Bible, opened it up to Acts 2.38, and read what I quoted. I said, you read it for yourself. And he read it for himself. He immediately flipped back to the book of John and said, what about John 3.16? Like we're going to have a fight in the Scriptures, and they're going to contradict one another. That's ridiculous. John 3.16 is a great big part of this plan. He's telling you that God so loved you that the 
the Spirit provided the flesh that whosoever will, whosoever would believe on him, would not perish but have everlasting life. We want to teach you from the Bible how God demands for you to believe. It's not just you saying, I believe. It's not a handshake, not a card signing. It's you repenting because he said to repent and you believe what he's saying. He said to be baptized and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So I get baptized in Jesus' name because he said it. I believe in what he said. If I don't do it, then I'm, I'm not believing. <laughs> pretty simple. You know, pretty simple. And if I, if I believe that he said I, I'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then I, I want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want what the Scripture is teaching. I want the Word of God. I don't want to get distracted. No longer do I want to be distracted. No longer do I want to turn to the right or to the left, which the Bible tells you over and over not to do that. Here Jesus comes walking on the water, no less. Oh, he wasn't ordinary. He was extraordinary. He wasn't natural. He was supernatural. He brought the spiritual to the forefront. He brought it to the surface. He, brought, he came to show them that there is a real spiritual realm and that this heaven and this earth is going to pass away. This natural is going, but there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, he said, wherein dwelleth righteousness. He said, behold, the former things are passed away. Well, you know what? That starts with you getting this Holy Ghost salvation. You getting this Bible salvation. For the old things are to be passed away and behold all things are to become new. That means your old sinful natural lifestyle has got to go down the toilet if you please. And you got to come up of the waters of baptism being a new creation. A new creature in Christ Jesus. I got witness to, and I began to read the Word of God, and believe me, I hadn't been, I'd never read the Bible, or oh, I had religious, a little bit of religious background, but it had nothing to do with the Bible, and uh, when I started to read the Bible, friend, I mean, it was there, and, and there was no running from it, didn't want to run from it, wanted to run to it, that's how you defeat the giant, you run to the giant, in the name of the Lord, and everybody said his name is, thank you. It's good if you know the title. He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's all, there's a poster out there framed in the lobby. He's all of those titles. They're all chapter and verse titles. But you've got to have the name that is above all of those titles. You've got to have the name that is above every name. And that name is Jesus Christ. So that means when the Bible said to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, just as it said to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it said in the name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Don't say you believe in him and then you won't take his name. That doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. You want his name. You're not going to think that that young lady loves you if she doesn't want to marry you and take your name. You're going to think there's a little something wrong there. Everybody said amen. All right. So if you want to be a part of the bride that's getting ready to be his wife, then you want to have his name. You want to have his name. You want to have the name that's above every name. 
And you want to understand that the Bible teaches very plainly that the blood that was shed on the cross, that for that blood to wash you clean of all of you, that's what baptism is for. It's for the full pardon of all of your sins. That's what your Bible says. So you want to understand that being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is through faith in his name, that the blood that's contained in his name washes you clean, and you get remission or full pardon of sins. No name, then there's no blood. There's no remission. There's no doing away full pardon with the sins then. And you'll just carry that big load of dirt and sin in your life continually. Much better, the apostle, the man that became the apostle Paul set a much better example. He set a good example for the guy that, that was asking, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus tested his sincerity and found it to be about that small. It wasn't very sincere at all. It wasn't, it wasn't the uh, giving away everything and all his possessions and being broke or something like that. It wasn't about that. It was about are you ready to let go of all the things that are distracting you? Are you ready to consolidate this love you're talking about and we're going to put it all into one and you're going to give it to me, Jesus Christ? Or are you just going to give me a lot of lip service? And the Bible talked about that. Are you going to draw nigh or near unto me with your lips? And your heart's far away, or are you going to draw near unto me with your heart? And everybody said, praise the Lord. Jesus will test you. He will test. He will, he, like a boat, you know, and they, they, they've got nowadays, of course, years ago, they used to, in the Bible, they used to use ropes and put knots in them. They could sound and find out how deep the water was and uh, how many fathoms, how many knots. And uh, the same thing, uh, they use depth, something or other boats and they can they can uh, tell you how deep the water is underneath that bottom of that boat because you don't want to run aground okay you don't want to get up in the sandbar or worse than that you don't want to fall among the rocks or tear your the bottom of your boat to pieces and so Jesus is going to he's going to sound you out here he's going to test you out he's going to find out if you really mean business with him whether or not you're going to really be sincere and if he's telling you in his word something and you turn your back on it, then you've just sent him a very strong message that you don't really mean business and that your sincerity is not up to par. We have to, according to the Bible, we have to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. That's what your Bible teaches. We've got to do that. There are some things that he requires. It is required of us to be born again of water and of the Spirit. It is required of us to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. These are not the preacher things. These are the Word of God things. This is what he wants. These are not things to be uh, jetsoned or thrown overboard or let go of, uh, go into full denial about, and, and try to find a Scripture somewhere to uh, go against that. There is no contradiction in the Scriptures. There is contradiction in carnal, natural minds. All right, now we're looking and feeling after that spiritual mind. We want to begin to serve the Lord without distraction. If we can begin to cut out the distraction. You want to jetson something. You want to throw something overboard, and they did. The Apostle Paul found themselves in a really bad storm, and he was the Apostle Paul then because he'd already been baptized in Jesus' name. He'd already been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and he'd already been involved with his ministry that God had given to him, and now he finds himself because of the name of Jesus Christ. Not because he said Father, not because he said Son, not because he said Holy Ghost, not because he said Alpha and Omega, beginning and ending, first and last. 
Not because he said wonderful or counselor, no, because he said Jesus Christ. And that's why they were continually throwing them in, in the brig, in jail, okay? Or in the, what's that other word? The pokey. <laughs> they were wanting to throw them in those places because he was preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And they didn't want that name. One group stopped their ears up and ran upon the preacher for bringing that truth and that name to them. Read them their history, and they didn't like how their history was looking. Well, I got news for you. When I came to this truth, I didn't like how my history looked. My history looked real bad. It read real nasty. But it was a great day when I was able to bring all my dirt to him and tell him I am sorry and I'm repentant into this junk and I pray that you will absolutely allow me to be baptized in your name and take away all my dirt and all my sin and fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when I did, he did. Amen. Amen. So here we have we have this uh, now let's go back to this Apostle Peter. He wasn't the Apostle Peter right then. He was a he was somebody trying to follow Jesus, trying to be a disciple, trying to learn of him. Then what Jesus said, come unto me, and uh, all you labor and heavy laden, he said, I'll give you rest, learn of me. And so he, he began to teach them. And Peter dropped everything. He didn't go away sorrowful like that other dude. He dropped everything. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow this now. I'm going to put my mind on this. I'm, I'm going to cut out some dis- things that I would be doing otherwise. And I'm going, I'm going to focus here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him in my, in my lens, and I'm going to focus. I'm going to zoom in. <laughs> I'm going to get a good close-up of this Jesus, and I'm going to see what's going on here. And so he did, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. I told you, man, people looked at him. He's raising the dead. He's cleansing the lepers or the cancerous. He's, he's casting out devils. He's, he's rescuing people left and right changing lives for the good and uh, a demonstration of his power and his glory. And the Apostle Paul later said he didn't come in enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. He said, I didn't come around to play games with you. I didn't come to give religion. He said, I came out of religion. I became who I am. He said, I'm an apostle of the Lord. That's what the Paul said. And he said, and not of men, but of God. He said, this thing has changed now. I'm not dealing with carnal ordinances. I'm not dealing with man-made ideas and denominationalism. I'm bringing to you the real power and demonstration. I've determined not to know anything among you. You're talking about without distraction. I'm determined, he said, to cut off everything else and bring to you Jesus Christ and him crucified in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. That's what I'm bringing to you. So anyway, here's Jesus in the days of his flesh, and he is uh, coming towards his, his trainees, people that he's teaching and preaching to, and, and he's coming to them, only he's walking on the water. Now, you know, that's not like an everyday occurrence. That's, that's not like something we go out there and just do. Here he comes, walking on the water. And they're like, typical reaction that we have, we get scared when it's something different than what we're used to. And you've known something maybe all your life, and, and all of a sudden the very thing that, that's 
supposed to be, you know, not just in our hands, but in our hearts, okay? And, and uh, but now we're scared. Now we're talking, we, we learn in Sunday school. People learn in Sunday school all over the nation and all over the world. They will, they will be taught about Moses and the Red Sea. They will be taught David and Goliath. They will be taught about the prophets and how the iron did swim and how that uh, the many miracles that Elisha and then Elisha did, how many wonderful things that took place. And you'll read about those things. And fire came down from heaven. And, oh, man, look at this. Wow, this is great. And then the first news you know, the church gathers together to worship him in spirit and truth. And the Holy Ghost falls among the church. And the church rejoices and dances and leaps for joy and extols him, praises him. And people say, scared to death. Jesus looked at me and said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Friend. So everything kind of calmed down a little bit in their minds. And uh, that's when Peter said, uh, hey, Lord, if that's you, I'm going to test you out. If that's you, Lord, well, why don't you put us to the test? Why don't you tell yourself, I'm going to submit to home Bible study. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the Bible out, and I'm going to follow along chapter and verse here, and I'm going to see what, if this is in the Scripture. I'm going to put this to the test. Nothing wrong with that. Bible said, the Lord said, prove me. Put me to the test. No problem about that. See if I don't open the windows of heaven. <laughs> he said, I'm going to put something on you. You won't have room enough to contain it. I can take care of my end of this thing. How about you? And so here's Peter, and he says, if that's you, Lord, he said, you bid me to come. And so the Lord said, okay. I'm telling you, sometimes you just don't know what you're asking for. But sometimes you can know what you're asking for, if you'll look into the book, if you'll let the book educate you, if you won't be fearful and unbelieving, if you won't have that big yellow stripe running up your back, if you will take God at his word, if you will set aside the words of men and you will look for the power of God, okay? And that's what the Lord wants to give to you. He said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Power to be my witness. Power to be a power witness. That you can go out and bring my truth to lost and dying people. That you can bring them the very thing that they need. Get rid of all the distractions in your life. Be an example so that they can get rid of the distractions in their life. Because the devil is going to bring one distraction after another and get you to try one fad after another. Get you to get all enthusiastic about something that doesn't really have anything to do with God. But he don't even mind getting you something that he makes you think has to do with God. And it's called religion. And he doesn't mind, friend. He'll have people douse themselves in gasoline and set themselves on fire. And that's their religion. And it's not doing one thing towards God. God doesn't care one thing about that. He's already got a fire. It's called the Holy Ghost and fire. And the fire he wants you to have is in your mind. He wants you to be excited about him. He wants you to, be in, to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants you to live for him, not die. Man, he doesn't want you to commit suicide or Harry Carey or anything else. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to... Take the cross, and it's a cross. Everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to agree with it. You've got to love Jesus Christ more than mother, father, sister, brother, aunts, or uncles, or double first cousins, twice removed on somebody's side. You hear me? I got news for you. You've got to love him more than your favorite ball team. 
Boy, that got quiet. Amen. I got to tell you, I was a sports fanatic. I played a lot of ball, but when I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't care nothing about any of that anymore. I, I, that grew strangely dim for the glorious, bright light of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you the truth. You know, not everything is sinful, but there's a whole lot of things that are distractions. There's a whole lot of things that will turn your head to the right and to the left and turn you plumb around and get you all dizzy and mixed up. You want to tell yourself what Jesus said right here. He said, don't be afraid. Come on. You come on towards me. And here comes Peter, and the first news you know, he does just like most of us. He gets distracted. And instead of keeping his eyes looking at Jesus and talking to he was talking to Jesus. And instead of, he kept, instead of keeping talking to Jesus, and in, instead of uh, uh, letting the, the presence of the Lord have the good positive effect on him, he gets to looking at the wind. He gets to hearing the wind. He's not hearing the voice voice of Jesus anymore. He's hearing the boisterous waves. He's hearing the wind. He's hearing the whole thing going on out there. And he's look, he was looking right at the one who has all power over all the elements. But he got distracted. And people get distracted. Oh, I don't know if God can do that. Oh, I don't know. I better go look over here. I better go try this. I better go do this. I better. This is not looking too good right now. And they begin to sink. And that's what happened. But wasn't the Lord good? And isn't he good? And he immediately, straightway, caught him and pulled him out of his sinking situation. Don't you know the Lord wants to pull you out of the miry clay? That's a sinking quicksand of clay. He wants to pull you out of the horrible pit. He wants to get your mind and your heart directed or redirected and get it focused on him. He's the only thing that counts. He's the only one that counts. Everything else will pass away. Everything else will come to naught. You can remain standing. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 and 35, serving the Lord, he said, I'm not talking to you about these things to put a snare on you and try to trip you up. He said, I'm trying to help you to serve the Lord without distraction. I want to cut down on the distractions. You know, turn it off or just plumb throw it out. I'd say throw it out. Oh, well, you can eBay it if you want or you know, chuck it in the canal, whatever. You need to need to get rid of some things. You need to cut off some distractions. You need to tell yourself this isn't important, and this is this is bleeding off from me. And I I don't want to I don't want that. I want I want a full power on on God. I want to get my mind on Him. I want my heart to be right in His hand. What did it say in one place? Unite my heart to fear Thy Word, Thy name, to fear You, to respect You. To realize that you are the most important thing, any, the most important one anywhere. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's take a moment, would you? Let's focus in prayer and worship and talk to him. And I love you, Jesus. And I don't want to run away from you like Adam and Eve. I don't want to hide behind religion like Adam and Eve. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you will help us to come face to face, if you please, with this truth. And to embrace it, to hold it up, and to thank you for allowing us to hear it and to see it, to embrace it, and have the opportunity to have this oh-so-great salvation. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. My Lord, my God, my Savior. And I'm not trying to argue my way out of it. I want to believe my way into it. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I want to believe on you as the Scripture says. 
Let the Scriptures shout out to me. Let the Scriptures, dear God, come to my heart and allow me to believe them, to act on them. Oh, dear God, you are holy and mighty. Every hindering spirit, I pray you will cast it out and cast it down. And I pray, oh, Lord God, that you will not let any spirit pervert the right ways of the Lord nor the gospel into something other than what it is. I pray that you'll allow me, oh God, to hear the word of God that tells me if we or an angel come from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which is preached. and Let that be accursed. Oh God, I want your blessing. I want to be in a position where I'm blessed of the Lord. I pray, oh God, that you'll keep me so I can serve you without distraction. I can cut off the things that would lead me right and left away from you. Let me focus, Lord. Let me get on the straight and the narrow that leads to life eternal. Let me be among the few from each generation. Let me be in that final number around your throne that is without number, a multitude, blood-washed, spirit-filled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Come on now. Wholeheartedly, your whole heart. With my whole heart. Not the whole counsel of God for your whole heart. You. The whole gospel With for your whole heart. Life, Can't just I give a part. Give Can't just give a small percentage here. The more you cut out the distractions, the bigger percentage of yourself you're giving. I want you, Lord. Come on now. Don't think about consequences. Think about loving him with all your heart. With my whole life, Lord, I live it for you. Pull me out of distractions, Lord. Will you take my heart? Oh, let me be accused of being of little faith. Only takes a little. With my whole Come on now. Let your faith be great. I'm gonna love you with my whole life. Let's come and gather around tonight. Little family prayer. Little time at the altar of God. Oh, everybody's invited. You're so welcome here.
crazy.